This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Yeah, and, and how do you think with the children, like, who is the best one to give feedback? So basically, you are, for example, there with as a researcher status, you can give kind of as an outsider feedback. Parents could could give feedback, but sometimes children maybe don't believe their parents. You might have, a, in some cases, a clinician who have kind of hospital environment which have probably advantages and disadvantages it might be that children get the feedback directly from the app how do you see in different scenarios what would be the best way of providing the feedback yeah that's really interesting I think again I think it depends on the age of the child as well so I think within some of the work I've done having the parent monitor particularly within teenagers they really didn't like that they didn't like this idea that their parent was kind of keeping an eye on them and it was almost kind of breaking the trust in a way I think potentially if you're going to do it in a family environment it might be that collective thing so it's not just sitting down and focusing purely on the child you might focus on the child and say look you've done this this is maybe something we can do and improve on maybe we should go out and do this today or this weekend and kind of get those numbers up or you know increase your physical activity but also then focusing on the parents so it's not just purely um on the child and then I guess the next well another option could potentially be within the school because I guess like children um you know are used to listening to their teacher um so I guess but then I do think also then that that adds another um barrier and another thing that teachers have to to deal with and whether you do that at an individual level or a group level um but potentially a teacher could be um another option as well yeah yeah I didn't even think that there's also a teacher but there's there's so many so many groups of people who are influencing the child and could be giving the feedback and yeah this is quite quite a practical question as we have one one project starting where there will be obese children and in a clinical setting and they are from a little bit lower socioeconomic uh, status so it's it maybe makes it a little bit different also so when we are developing this we need to there's researchers involved who want to do like good good quality accelerometer data research and then there's clinicians then there's parents then there's children and somehow to make the feedback and the data work for everyone so i think there's quite a bit of thinking how to do it and and it's good we will have a pilot study first so we will kind of get an idea do you have any any suggestions how should we test it that always in this kind of situation giving the feedback or is it kind of many many parties giving the feedback that for example the clinicians give it in a certain way then the parents can kind of make it better rehearse it and and so on yeah I think yeah that's a difficult one isn't it I think kind of thinking of more of like a feasibility pilot study I would almost just kind of stick with one way of of giving the feedback 
and then asking each individual group how can we tailor it how do we you know how do we make this meaningful for you how do we make this meaningful for you so on so on um because I think if you start to kind of tailor it from the very beginning it's almost like you're putting all your resources into something that you're not even sure if it's going to work whereas you know you may as well start with the actual you know co-producing with the the target audience or the target user um in the beginning um and I guess it is all about tailoring um the feedback and understanding you know what is the priorities for each individual and are they more focused on the health side of things are they more focused on like the outcome or are they more interested in how did you get to that point you know what are we doing differently in our day-to-day lives for this to happen um or are you just interested in yes this works no this doesn't work Mm. And and you have been using the behavior change wheel in your studies. How how would you see it fitting here, and what kind of things it would kind of highlight or bring bring in? Yeah, so I guess it would highlight you know the barriers um, with regards to kind of capability, opportunity, and motivation. So you'd have to think about what is the target behavior then is it is the target behavior you know losing weight is it increasing physical activity is it reducing central behavior and how those um those different components kind of link into that um so I guess it would be identifying the barriers around that and also focusing on like the facilitators as well because I, I think we all tend to kind of focus on the barriers of of um the target behavior like physical activity for example but we kind of forget to focus on the facilitators and think about you know is this something that's already in place that can can help so it might be that um with the clinicians they might already have some understanding of physical activity and the guidelines and or they might have had experience in implementing these kind of programs in the past and that might be a, a huge advantage um that we you, you can pick um, kind of pick up on and you might focus on, well, what training have you had in the past that will, can help people and should we kind of give this training next time? And that might kind of um, integrate into kind of an interventional program. Yeah, so it's important to define what is the goal. And I think with the obese children, in a way, it would be losing weight in long term. But how how would you see what would be the, uh, how to approach it? Should the goal first be very easily achievable for example reducing sitting time which means a little bit more activity some sort of activity then maybe moving to more intensive activity or how would you approach for example in a in a 12-month intervention yeah I think like you said it's it's starting with defining the goal um and I think you can work with different participants or different children and, and users of the the intervention or program and really figuring out what is their goal um if they're all you know obese um as researchers your goal might be to reduce that and improve their health but as an individual that might not be their priority it might be kind of almost a secondary um outcome kind of a knock-on effect so they might be more interested in just wanting to get out more maybe they just want to experience more time in nature maybe they want to kind of increase their mood a little bit they want to increase their quality of life rather than they want to reduce like decrease their weight status so I guess it's about 
tailoring it to the individual um and then that links into the feedback then so is the is the feedback you know what is the aim of the feedback is it purely to increase their awareness is it to um change behavior so is there like is it goal orientated um and i think within that you know if it is a goal orientated goal then you kind of need to provide you know what we call like just in time feedback so if it's a a daily goal or if it's an hourly goal you need to time that feedback so people have the opportunity to achieve that goal so if it's an hourly goal it might be that you give the feedback at 30 45 minutes or something and then they've got that time to correct the behavior um so i think it's all about really defining the goal really defining the priority and then how can you kind of use that feedback to help people achieve the goal how how do you see the kind of you said that some kids for example doesn't like that the parents are seeing their results and and i think in a in a daily measurement daily feedback it comes to kind of surveillance that you might not want for example if you have a long intervention do you really want kind of that your activity is tracked every day or the feedback is given even if it's tracked every day do you want to be reminded of it every day so how do you see like in a longer intervention what would be the optimal time to give feedback yeah i think that's a that's a very difficult question because i think that it all points towards well like the kind of the literature and and the the evidence all kind of points to this continuous feedback you want to be able to monitor real time feedback and that gives you the opportunity then to change your behavior as you are carrying out that behavior um but then i also see that there's a flip side of that in that some people might see that they're being active enough right at the beginning they might you know get that continuous feedback think oh I'm being you know I'm being really active I'm overachieving my goals maybe you know maybe tomorrow I'll take it a little bit easy maybe I'll you know start decreasing my my activity a little bit um because I know we, we spoke about earlier how um within the feasibility study I had one child who um their goal was 10,000 steps a day they was achieving 20,000 steps a day so by the end of the four-week study they were saying well I actually did less activity because I realized that I was being way too active right at the beginning. Um so I think it all does the evidence points in that kind of continuous feedback. But I do I do think there is a flip side of that, but whether or not that is supported by evidence because obviously within what I'm saying this is based on one study and, and uh, you know a few children and and families. And I don't think there's enough research out there kind of testing that. So maybe it's maybe it's trial and error. Yes, good points. And and then I wanted Hello? to ask Excuse oh. me. Could I ask one question before you? Yeah. Yeah. Sir, please please go on. Do you work with children in physical activity? Okay, then you should listen to us. We wanted to tell you about this polar bear animation that is so cool. And we understood from his funny explanations why humans and polar bears shouldn't sit all day. Fabian device, it is an accelerator, and I could tell you all the specs. 
But you just need to know it measures accurately sedentary behavior and physical activity, and is scientifically validated. But most importantly, using it feels like magic. Yeah, like magic. Ding dong done. So learn more at vivian.com/kids. Please click it because it's important that kids all over the world can learn from polar bear. That's so awesome, Mom. Can we have a polar bear as a pet, please, Mom? Yeah. How do you see the kind of habit formation versus behavior change? Like you could, you could like get feedback sometimes and then get that. All right, you try to play outside a little bit more with your. Friends and and that would be kind of trying to find the habit, and then we could see that this activity increased versus the measuring all the time. Because I know, for example, some runners who, if their battery dies in their sport watch, they go back because it's worthless to run if it's not tracked. So, how do you see with kids? Could it be that the measurement is actually counterproductive in the long run? Because then, if you don't measure it, did it? Did it happen? Yeah, that was one of the things that one of the parents actually said to me um, in the study as well was that like if they realised that the wearable was on charge, they just wouldn't bother going for the run that they'd planned because they're like, well, what's the point? Because I'm not going to get my numbers. Um, so I can definitely see that, and I guess it's yeah, maybe it's kind of reframing that and seeing the numbers as like a secondary outcome and really kind of. Drawing attention to this change in, you know, what you're doing in your daily routine, or maybe drawing attention to the fact that maybe you know you're spending more time with your friends, you're you feel maybe a little bit better, maybe you focus on maybe the mental health side of thing, quality of life rather than the physical, the the numbers. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of like the difference is that with a habit, you kind of need these contextual cues, don't you? And it's it's forming this association each time to the point where it becomes automatic so can we use these devices to to help do that um and I think a lot of it comes down to action planning techniques with majority of these devices already have that embedded um but for example within our systematic review we didn't find any intervention studies that used action planning so are we even you know using these devices to their their full potential and and in your review the longest study i think was six months and how do you see that can you actually have for example if you have a longer one one year or even even longer do you think anyone will actually use or or large enough percentage will actually use like every day and be interested on the feedback every day for for one year um, I think that's definitely an individual basis and what we kind of find and I think it's the same well similar kind of patterns with general physical activity um, literature is that people who are already active are the ones that are interested in using these devices and will use them for longer um, and so I guess it's it yeah it's based on the individual and it is that question of how do we encourage the people that are inactive to start using these devices and then use them over a longer period as well. Um, but also I think this idea of not using the device 
it's not necessarily a negative thing. It might be that they have changed the behavior. They're just not relying on the device and that feedback every single day anymore. They've kind of, they've sussed out what they need to do um, in their routine to change that behavior. So they don't need to necessarily have that monitored like continuously. And and how do you see like, for example, if you, if uh, a child achieves some level for example that you would give some kind of award even if it's in the app something because then it might be that when they are not using why bother because i'm not getting the award so do you think that kind of things should be avoided not to make this kind of thinking that if you if you don't get the award it's not worth doing that you would you teach them to do it for its own sake and for nothing external. Yeah, I think that that's exactly where it kind of comes in, that external versus internal, like intrinsic motivation, isn't it? Um, I think there's children that really enjoy those rewards. But like you said, as soon as you, I think with devices like this, you're always going to get like a personal best. You're never going to continuously be doing more and more activity each day. So if they're purely focused on steps or if you think about someone trying to do a run in a certain period of time you're always going to reach like your optimal level and your personal best and then it's kind of you know if that's where the reward stops then you know are they going to continue to use the the device they're going to continue to have that motivation and that increase in physical activity or is it you know once they get to the top and then they're no longer receiving those rewards that you know like you said why why bother yeah and and how do you see for example like for prevention of osteoporosis it seems from the current research that you actually don't need too many for example jumps or high accelerations on your high forces on your bones that very little on a daily basis basically is enough so it's a little bit different encouraging to do just some few landings per day with just strain on your bones than being active for example one hour do you see that we should approach this kind of things differently how could we for example get kids landing <laughs> landing strongly few times per day how, how how could we do it yeah so do you mean kind of encouraging more bursts of physical activity rather than yeah I'm, i'm i'm thinking just that like for the development of bones and bone mass and bone strength you basically don't to my understanding you don't need much volume it's just a couple of high forces on your bones which could be just like jumping down from somewhere and landing and you get the the bone get gets the stimulus to increase bone mass and which is really important for the older age that you actually get get high high bone mass when it's still developing so i'm thinking that because very little very few accelerations are enough in childhood how could we should we approach that kind of behavior change differently yeah i think that's interesting because i think that a lot of people we focus when we're thinking about physical activity and achieving guidelines we just focus purely on the kind of moderate to vigorous side of it and we kind of not almost forget but we know that it's a lot more difficult to measure kind of the muscle the bone strengthening that kind of important stuff as well so I guess it's you know 
it might be discouraging, for example, if somebody's not kind of racking up their numbers because they're not doing the typical moderate vigorous physical activities. So maybe they've not gotten for a run, but they might have done something that is more muscle bone strengthening. And that kind of, because they're not getting feedback for that side of things, that might be quite discouraging for them. So I guess it's, you know, is there a device that can pick up those things? And if those differences in activities, and if there isn't, it's setting that expectation um, before people use them. So this this thing of saying, you know, it might not pick up this activity, but if this is something that you do and you enjoy doing, continue doing it. Um, and it's really difficult because I think that's why a lot of people, uh, oh, well, some people um, stop using the devices is that they enjoy cycling maybe but the devices don't pick up cycling they enjoy you know maybe adults they enjoy kind of um you know more weightlifting activities and that the devices don't pick that up so why do the activity again like we said before if it's not going to clock up the numbers so I guess it's just reiterating the fact that, you know, those are really important activities. And if it's something you enjoy, I think it's focusing on the enjoyment. If it's something you enjoy, carry on doing it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Uh, with the accelerometer, you can actually get the bone bone loading, basically. So I think that could be something to include in the feedback. Yeah, I, I think very very interesting points and insights for the feedback is there anything you would like to add i think i have gone through all my questions that i had in mind no i think that yeah that covers everything if you're happy with that as well i i am happy <laughs> so thank you amy for this discussion it was it was really nice having a chat with you thank you you're welcome Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.